0: Travel to Venezuela, where an intrepid young anthropologist went in search of isolation and adventure, and found neither. Snap Judgment.
1: When David Good was a little boy, his mom wasn't around. So he had no mom at soccer practice or to help with homework.
2: But eventually people got curious. They they wanted to find out, you know, where's your mom? And I told people that my mom died in a car crash.
1: (laughs) The truth was she had left her family, her husband and her three kids, when David was five years old. And as he got older, he couldn't handle his anger.
2: You know, it got to a point where I realized that I can't can't keep going on like this, you know, hating myself on and on, you know, thinking what am I going to do for the rest of my life? I'm going to hide from myself. That's, that's pretty much how it, it culminated into that decision to go find my mom, to reunite with her.
1: David, what was your biggest fear in going to find your mom?
2: My biggest fear? Uh, getting shot with a bow and arrow. <laughs> I was afraid I was going to get caught in a raid or something. And you hear all these stories of getting shocked by electric eels or getting attacked by a jaguar. <laughs> I had a lot of fears to think about.
1: David's mom is a member of the Yanomami tribe. See, David's dad, Ken Good, is an anthropologist. And in 1975, he traveled by canoe through the rapids of the Orinoco River in Venezuela, deep into the Amazon jungle, trying to find the Yanomami people.
0: The Yanomami are uh, they're very, very basic in the way they live. They have no clothes. They only count to two. They have no musical instruments. They're just living uh, in a state of nature in the Amazon forest.
1: Ken's teacher, Napoleon Chagnon, had written about the Yanomami, describing them as fierce and prone to war and violence. After days of traveling by canoe and on foot, Ken finally met the Yanomami on the banks of the river. He didn't speak any Yanomami.
0: And I pulled up in my outboard canoe and of course they hear the outboard motor for a mile away and they came running down and they were all there and exciting and they were just there looking and chatting and talking to me and and Yanomami they have no idea they had no idea there are other languages they called me Akaporebu which means ghost tongue they would stand outside my hut through look through the palm slats and laugh and everything about me was funny I take my socks off and they laughed because my toes were squeezed together from wearing shoes since I was two, and theirs were more splayed for never wearing shoes.
1: He was supposed to stay with the Anamami for 15 months, but he started to learn the language. He moved into their communal home. He ended up staying for 12 years.
0: It was just so nice to be there, and I felt so good and happy. That I There was nothing to ask for.
1: After a few years, some local men had something to ask of him. They wanted him to kind of join their family.
0: One t- one day, the headman of the village, he came to me, and he says, you you can't stay here all the time without having a wife. So I, no, I just laughed, you know. Uh, he kept insisting that I take his younger sister, and... Um, I don't know how old she was. I'm guessing she was about 12 or 13. Now, betrothed is simply is what happens when simply say she's going to be your wife someday. It's sort of like a, a, a promise. I said, you know, no, I can't do that. You know, no. And uh, so the headman was insisting her older brother and he was quite a strong willed guy. So I said, OK, right, she's my wife.
1: Ken figured it was purely a ceremonial engagement, a formality until he went back home.
0: I figure I'll go home whenever I do and that'll be end of that.
1: So the girl's name was Yadima, and he would go with her family on trips into the jungle.
0: We had fun. We used to go hunting and gathering out on the trail and I was so um caring about her in every little regard if she got a cut on her toe or something and I just really and I realized I was thinking about her all the time
1: (sighs) their relationship developed over the course of many years this is what Yadima said about that time as transcribed by Ken at dawn and dusk I thought about Kenny I remembered how he would carry me on his back she said I brought food to his hammock and he would always smile she talked about missing him terribly when he would go away
0: you know, as how can a PhD candidate from uh, a Western culture uh, marry a, an Amazonian uh, native woman who has never been out of the jungle and thought the whole world was an, an Amazon jungle? I, c- I couldn't conceptualize it. That's the way it went, but uh, things changed. It, I, it was totally unexpected. Sometimes emotions are difficult to describe. I just, I just fell in love with
1: her. I asked Ken what the age difference was between them when they made their marriage official.
0: I don't like to talk about it. and You're the first interview I've done in almost 20 years. Why should I have to talk about when I consummated my marriage?
1: He says he believes she was about 15 or 16 when they first consummated their marriage. He's taken a lot of criticism for this over the years. Ken, what's the criticism that bothered you the most?
0: That she was a little girl. that I had married a little girl and it was an abuse. These people only live to be about 45 or so. The 15-year-old girl in their culture is not the same as a 15-year-old. A 15-year-old here is totally immature. She's a little kid still. She's probably chewing gum at the mall. In Yanomami culture, she's a woman. She's a full-fledged woman. She's doing all of women's chores and she's probably pregnant or has a baby. Now you say, oh, well, that's them, you know, what do you know, they're Indians. Well, I'm sorry. This all occurred within the confines of their communal structure.
1: Ken had lived in their world for many years. But he was supposed to be there as a professional anthropologist. And his choice was a problem for other anthropologists.
0: You study these people, but you don't get involved with them and, and marry them. I said, why not? I said, they're human beings like any other people on Earth.
1: Still there's a lot that's complicated about their marriage, not just for anthropologists. Even in the village, Ken and Yadima had a lot of problems. When Ken had to leave to deal with his visa or paperwork, the others would think he had left forever, and Yadima became fair game. She was mistreated. But for the most part, it worked. They lived together, they hunted together, and at night they slept together in Ken's hammock. And before long they became pregnant with their first son, David.
2: You know, I do remember playing in the creeks, you know, walking around in the plantain gardens with the kids, practicing archery, shooting lizards, you know, with with the boys, and trying to fine-tune our our hunting skills.
1: David doesn't remember too much else, because he was actually raised in New Jersey. Ken got too worried about Yadima's safety in the village.
2: My father had asked my mom, you know, why don't you come to my people, come to my village of New Jersey, where you can always be together, and then, you know, I don't have to be afraid for you for being alone in the jungle. And and she agreed.
1: So that's what they did. They moved from Jasapuoteri, Venezuela, to New Jersey.
2: So you can imagine that a woman that lived in the jungle her whole life, and now she's went through a time machine, fast forward like 2,000 years, and in a different cosmos different world we just had a little fun i flipped the switch off and on and that just was amazing it's dark and it's light it's dark as light. she had seen a full-length mirror for the first time and she freaked out and she you know, head behind a bed my dad had to cover up the mirror somebody
0: started up a jeep and she went crazy i didn't see her but i had to go find her in the bushes because she thought it was an animal
2: and my father once Caught my mom just strolling outside without any clothes on, and he comes and you know, covers her up, tries to tell her, and you know, in my world, you gotta wear clothes all the time. And...
1: But there were bigger problems, too. For the first time, Yarima was spending a lot of the day alone. Ken was out working, teaching at a nearby college.
2: The man that my father was down in the jungle, you know, it's not the same man that he was up up here in New Jersey, and he's working hard to try to pay the bills and keep the food on the table. And of course, my mom has no concept of that. She doesn't know why he's gone all the time.
0: The thing about living here is nothing made sense. in her. And not only that, in Yanomami culture, the most important things to them are their family, and not just their kids or their parents, but their extended family. And so she was cut off from that. But you got to understand what it was for her. And I didn't like it. I didn't bring her back here to make her a little American housewife, for God's sake.
1: They had three kids in New Jersey. And all of them would go back together to the village in Venezuela for long visits. David and his brother and sister learned to hunt and how to speak the language. And once, Canyon and went back alone. And Yarema said she wanted to stay. She and Ken went back and forth about it, but when the plane came to the airstrip to take them to New Jersey, Yadima actually fled into the jungle. Ken was worried about the kids, so he boarded the plane, figuring he'd come back for Yadima later. But he never did.
2: And then there was sort of like this realization that set in that, wow, you know, mom, mom's gone, and you know, she's she's not coming back. Suddenly,
0: we became a family of four, three kids and me, and I was a single
2: father. As I, you know, got older, I, I sort of went through this phase where I just didn't want it to be known as a mama, and I don't ever want to hear that word, and, and I never want to, you know, uh, hear about mom again, and or I, I don't want to be associated with that culture and that tribe. I just wanted to be this typical American kid growing up, you know. I played baseball. I was a paper boy, and, it's embarrassing. All of my friends' moms are, are picking them up at, you know, soccer practice or driving them to baseball practice, and but my mom is, you know, naked in the jungle eating tarantulas.
1: Of course, all his dad's pictures were in museums and in textbooks, because Ken was a leading anthropologist on the Yanomami.
2: In elementary school, we had this periodical that would come out called Scholastic Journal for Kids. You know, there was one on my desk, and I flipped through the page, and and bam, there's a huge picture of me and my uncle in the, in the village in in the Amazon, and the caption underneath says, you know, Yanomama boy learning how to shoot a bow and arrow with with a relative, and and here and I just started sweating bullets because I'm like, oh my gosh, whole, everyone in my class is going to find out, and for for the next you know, fifteen to twenty years, it just just kept festering inside me, and it kept getting worse and worse, and. Did you know? Turn to alcohol to cope with you know a lot of my problems, and actually dropped out of high school. So I knew that as if I had to you know survive for the rest of my life, I'm going to have to cope with this. Uh, I you know I read my dad's book, and and you know I got to understand some of the struggles that my mom had when she was up here, and so I had this innate yearning to go you know to want to go find her.
1: So David bought a one-way ticket to Venezuela.
2: It's pretty neat to think that I'm taking the same trip that my father took decades ago. And I remember starting, you know, feeling a little a little tense, a little anxious that we're getting closer and closer. And when the motor's revving, villagers can hear from a mile away, and it's sort of this, this there's this excitement because, you know, you get visitors too often, and they scream, motor, motor, and they all start running to the river bank to see who's coming. We uh, pulled up, introduced ourselves, and they said, that I was David, the son of Yanima, and I'm here to go to find her. And so the villagers of Hasapu, Pogateri, they said, come out of the boat, we want to we wanna see you, and we want to touch you. And so I was completely mobbed with Yanomama. I had hands all over my body. They were pulling my ear, touching my nose, touching my hair. And that's when, uh, that's when my mom finally arrived. I, I saw her walk in, and she was carrying a basket, and the whole village was... Uh, immediately quiet, and it was hushed, and people were whispering, and I can hear them whispering uh, Yadima's name, and I stood up, and and I I approached her, and I realized, how do I greet her? What's the Yanomami way of greeting when you don't see somebody for 20 years, and I know that they don't hug or anything, and just sort of this awkward moment at first where everything in me just wanted to hug her and, and hold her, but I didn't want to make the moment awkward for her either, and As we got closer, she just started trembling and crying. And I I can remember her hand shaking and and she was touching me almost as if to see if I was even real. And I told her, you know, "Ah, I made it. It's been so long, but I made it. Looked into her eyes and she just just started crying. And, And then out of nowhere, I just started getting flooded with all these memories of being with her when I was five. My mother's alive, and I found her, and we're together, and now I want to develop this relationship and friendship with her.
1: He wanted to stay for a long time. He didn't know exactly how long, but he hung up his hammock and settled in.
2: As the months went by, uh, she started remembering some English, and one time I was sitting in my hammock, and she comes up to me and says, hey, do you want some snake? Just pure, perfect English, and I'm looking at her like, where did that come from, you know? You know, she was very patient with me, and she knew that, uh, you know, that I was, I lived in the world of the Naba, of the outsider, and that, you know, I have much to learn.
1: David, this isn't the soccer mom relationship that you wanted as a kid.
2: No, no, (laughs) definitely not. But, you know, uh, not too many mothers can go out there and and kill a bow constrictor for you and come back.
1: (laughs) Pretty soon after his arrival, David was offered the same opportunity as his dad.
2: I was introduced to to two girls in the village. So I asked, them, who, "Who are these girls?" And my mom replied, "Oh, these these are my wives." And
1: you know, David's wives.
2: I, I yeah, my my wives. You know, they're they're two girls. And so I thought a wife was just was gonna be like a sister or a brother. But I was wrong. They really, really wanted to be my wife, and they really wanted me to be their husband. And it became evident after I spent some time in the village that. They really, really wanted to have kids. <laughs> and, and in their mind, they're probably thinking, you know, his father is a, a Naba, a complete outsider, and he took a yanomama wife. Surely his son, who is half yanomama would obviously would have no problem taking yanomama wife. It's just that I grew up in America and there's this huge cultural barrier where uh, I couldn't be their husband. I couldn't be that Mama husband. And it actually turned into some conflicts where a couple times at night I had to kick my wife out of the hammock. And then there's times where they ganged up on me saying, you know, you're my Yano Mama husband and we're going to have children together and don't be afraid. And, and that's what my mom would say a lot was, uh, don't be afraid. It's okay. They're your wives. <laughs> and Because every time they would get close to me, I'd start getting nervous and like, okay.
1: It made him wonder, how did his dad manage to do it, to cross this divide that felt so wide? So he arranged for a boat downstream to a nearby mission, where they had a generator, where they had a satellite internet connection.
2: So I sat my mom down in front of the computer and I Skyped my dad. You know, I'm sitting there, all of
0: a sudden, I'm on Skype, and I'm talking to him, and he moves over, and there's his mother. I said, oh, my, I couldn't believe it. He didn't tell me. It's a little secretive, this guy, but he did, you know. And there I am for the first time in 20 years looking at my
2: wife. And they just started started Skyping each other in Mama.
0: I was amazed. She still looked so great. And uh, she had the sticks in her mouth that young girls live in. Uh, we just, I started talking to Yanomami for first time in 20 years, and I realized I didn't forget it. That was amazing. She looked at me, and she said, are you married? And I said, no. And I looked at her, and I said, are you married? And she said, no. And then we just kind of stood, sat there, and looked at each other for about 15 seconds. And then, boom, it was, I said, no. <laughs> uh, because, um, People think, um, you still love her. You should go
2: down there and get her. She's waiting for you. As I was watching them interact and, and talk to each other, it just, you know, really hit me that they just seemed to get along so well, the way they just interacted. And, and, and it just, I knew right then and there that why they fell in love, you know, because it's just, it's, they just felt so natural together. What
0: was his motivation? Why did he want me to see and talk to uh, his mother? Was he hoping we'd get back together? I don't know. I don't know. But that's the only reason. What do you think? I still love her and should go get her down there?
1: Um, I think, yeah, I think you still love her. But I don't think you should go down there and get her. I think you tried that.
0: Yeah. David Good, he's now doing remarkable work with the Yanomami. Check out Project Good on our website, snapjudgment.org. The original sound design was by Renzo Gorio. That story was produced by Anna Sussman with assistance from Beth Morgan.